Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to this very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio. We are broadcasting live from Georgia State University Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute. And uh, we're on a home stretch here, Lee. We've been here all day. We have had a blast. We've had some marvelous conversations, inspiring, invigorating. I feel so much younger every time we come out and do this. We got to do this more often, man. I know. Once a month is not enough. I'll warn the group, uh, some tough acts to follow, but I really think that this crew is, is up to it. We're going to visit with three folks here in our closing episode. First up, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Director of Media Entrepreneurship and Innovation, Creative Media Industries Institute, Miss Elizabeth Strickler. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, first, uh, tell us a little bit about the Media Entrepreneurship and Innovation Center. How is that working for well, you? Well, actually, um, I am, it's the Creative Media Industries Institute okay. that where I direct media entrepreneurship and innovation. Um, and so it is a uh, fairly new facility. It's uh, We got a $22 million grant from the Woodruff Foundation to build what I call the Digital Arts Entertainment Lab 2.0. So basically um, taking advantage of the film tax incentives and building a future of entertainment media content creation center is what the Creative Media Industries Institute is. So then how does blockchain fit into all that? So that is a good question. (laughs) I am definitely the linchpin of that. Um, And so I was a part of the um, internet boom and the internet startup and uh with al gore uh, (laughs) with charles brewer and mindspring (laughs) when it was still at atdc Mm -hmm. so i was one of the first 40 employees and i was a i was an engineer uh, for the web um, because they did dial up and nobody believed that web hosting was going to be anything interesting so anyway I i had a computer science degree and did a lot of um systems administration and understood how uh, the internet got started. But then I got a job over here at Georgia State helping run a film scanning and recording um, uh, system through Kodak. And But it ran on a Unix machine, and I was a Unix administrator and also a person who was obsessed with photography at the time. So the intersection of um, media and technology or art and technology has been a fascination of mine all along. So as I was teaching students new ways to um, monitor, new ways to create, um, to produce, uh, consume, and monetize content, that's what I do um, for media entrepreneurship, I recognize that blockchain was one of those um, ways to do that. So then... um blockchain is relatively new or blockchain has been around for a while well blockchain has been around for a while but it's still in its infancy mm-hmm. yes and then um so where so then because of your interest then they said let's throw blockchain into that because well because of my interest i threw myself into blockchain <laughs> and then i threw myself in into other people's faces <laughs> and said blockchain 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 and media um is going to be um something that's that's coming Okay, so first, let's start with some foundational stuff. Like, sure. explain blockchain a little bit as if I'm 
Okay, now well, this 55 is where fifty-five-year-old person sitting okay. in front of you. Okay, so this is where my um, my uh, co-hosts or my mm-hmm. co-colleagues, I guess I would say, are going to step in. But um, so blockchain is what is the technology that enables Bitcoin. Many people have heard of Bitcoin. Right. Before. So Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. Yes. But blockchain is different than blockchain a crypto- is a technology that enables uh, cryptocurrency to exist. Right. That's right. Yeah. So I, I look at blockchain. All right. This like, is Zach. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is Zach Hoffmeister. Um, I actually look at blockchain like the engine that's running Bitcoin, right? right? And it's going to be an engine that's going to be utilized for many other projects. Right. Outside, outside of, of a cryptocurrency. Yes. Right. So not to. So, and just to give you some background, we have had the opportunity last year to uh, broadcast live from FinTech South, which oh. was all about financial technology. Mm-hmm. Everybody there was pro-blockchain. Hmm. Nobody doubted the validity of blockchain as a way to do transactions. Mm-hmm. None of them would bet on a individual cryptocurrency, though. Mm-hmm. And they made a clear point of distinction between the two. So blockchain is kind of the engine like you said and cryptocurrency is a way to utilize blockchain no yeah actually so um in that case the cryptocurrency itself is going to be built on top of the blockchain right Right. um so it's going to be similar to the dot-com technology and then all the many companies are built on top of that technology Mm -hmm. so now with blockchain you first were using it in terms of media so, yeah, so one of the things, the way that I like to speak about it, and this might actually help um, sort of describe what it is, um, is that uh, basically it's programmable money um, or the ability to program value into like uh, an if this, then that statement. So if you pay for my lunch, but I need to, uh, if you pay for my lunch and I, well, that's a bad one. Um, <laughs> it's a transparency in um, transactions, right? It's, yeah, yeah. It's it's a automation in transactions. So um, so instead of me like Venmoing or PayPaling you money, I can give it to you directly, kind of like Napster was peer to peer. Right. So it's a peer to peer decentralized ledger technology that enables somebody to send. Uh, like an email to you directly without going to a central place, but it goes from me to you directly without a central authority. And then the um, blockchain itself sort of uh, authenticates that 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 action actually happened. And then it's a public register where people can see that that occurred? Yeah, so basically it's it's basically like if you think about a um, spreadsheet or something that everybody, it's a ledger, that everybody writes that transaction down on um, so that it's definitely confirmed that I gave you $10 for lunch, let's mm-hmm. say, and that that's written down and everybody um, on the network or on the node wrote that down. Um, and so it's in a permanent record. Now, they can't see the specifics of that transaction. Only you and I who have the private keys can see the specifics of that. So that's where the crypto component comes in. Mm-hmm. Um so then you asked me, how does that translate to data? So the important thing to think about is that basically money is now becoming like data. We can send it back and forth and we can authenticate that it got sent. Um, but there's this added component of crypt, crypt, you know, making it very secure with cryptography. Um, so what I'm saying about um, media is that now that money acts like data, data uh, needs to act like money. 
which means we need to now secure our data and own our data and then acknowledge a transfer of our data from one person to the other. So uh, for media content creators, musicians, photographers, um, and filmmakers, um, the internet has been a giant copying machine where their um, creative assets have been copied or stolen. Um, and then they needed a centralized authority to kind of help protect that. But with blockchain, you can protect your own digital assets and then monetize them freely on your own and then distribute them um, peer to peer um, easily and, and in a monetizable way. So now, how would that work? Like if I'm a photographer, you said you started photography, yes. right? So mm -hmm. I'm a photographer, mm -hmm. I put, I take a picture, mm -hmm. and now I put it in this blockchain, so, Yes. Mm -hmm. and then someone says, hey, I would like to use that on my website. Right. So then uh, you can say, um, then that's, th th this is where the if then, then that mm -hmm. statement comes in, which I sort of botched earlier. I can say, if you're a nonprofit, then you can have my um, photograph for free. But if you are um, a uh, enterprise, then that costs ten dollars. Um, and then I can say, but if you buy, you know, five of my photographs, then they're only eight dollars. And all of this is programmed and happens automatically. So that's a smart contract. So I can have a smart contract that's that's attached like metadata to my photograph. So all these things can just happen automatically. And then, so how does the money change hands? This is where it, it happens automatically. Um, just just it's on, on the end user side, it would feel like a PayPal or something like that. Oh, I'd like to buy that. And then the money just um, transfers. And it comes out of my bank? It comes out of your wallet because you don't have a bank. Your device is your bank, your, your wallet that's on your device, whether it's your laptop or your phone. But uh, how does it know how much money I have or how do I put money on it? At some point there has to be money, right? There is, there... That's, that's the genesis block. <laughs> that's, the, that's your on-ramp onto a blockchain. So typically people go onto the blockchain through something like Coinbase or Gen Gemini, um, where you take your fiat currency, your dollars, and then you buy some um, some uh, cryptocurrency, whether that's Bitcoin or Ethereum or um, EOS or something like that. And then once you're on the blockchain, then you can function in that space and trade and buy things. So at some point I have to take my real quote unquote quote money, mm -hmm. place it into this um, network. network. Uh, yes. And then I trade X number of dollars for X number of whatever the currency is, Bitcoin or... Mm -hmm. Just like buying stock or something like that. Right. And you can also do it at um, uh, at uh, ATMs that are at the local um, gas stations and convenience stores. There's, so yeah. I was actually at the first uh, ATM unveiling in 2015 in Atlanta wow. here. I went to the conference. Um, and my experience was I put in $20 and it gave me a paper receipt back, which represented a public uh, wallet ID and a private one. I was gonna use it to buy some tacos, the food uh, truck that was sitting there for that reason, and it failed. That guy could not accept the Bitcoins, 
which kind of left a sour um, taste in my mouth. Like, oh, it's not even working here at this conference about Bitcoin. <laughs> at this ATM was fine, but he wouldn't accept it. So we kind of laughed, but it just kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. But to answer your question, it is, it's as simple as me pulling a dollar bill out of my wallet and handing it to you in a digital space. Yes, you'll have to go onto your app, put in the amount you want to send, and you put in who you want to send it to. That's you handing it over, it's, but that's it. And you're going to accept it because you understand it has value. And then, but then the challenge right now is it isn't as simple as me just handing you a dollar. Not yet, right? Uh, so once you get in the market, it could be. So like I have enough Bitcoins where it is quite simple for me to transfer it over. Um, and it's becoming easier as we speak. Let's go back to the 90s with the dot-coms. It was quite complicated. I, I think just buying anything online was scary because you thought first it wouldn't come. You could get ripped off or if it was the wrong size or whatever, you couldn't return it. Um, same same concept, convoluted process, technology's catching up. Same thing here. It's blockchain proof of concepts of 10 years now, started in 2008, mm -hmm. so we're past that window. And now the process is making it seamless. So you don't understand you're using this engine and you're still getting to your destination. But the key is to have trusted kind of conduits so that like I know if I go on Amazon, even if it's bad, I can return and I have some recourse in this. Is there trusted resources in crypto? So uh, the the trusted part that I think is um, the just like uh, you know eight ten years ago, five years ago, you wouldn't have walked out the door here at ten o'clock at night and gotten in the car with somebody to take you home. Right. But now you do that. And that's because you trust the network. Right. I'm trusting that Uber, Lyft vetted this person that's picking well, me up in their well, picture. Well, but their vetting was actually done by other users. So really you're trusting the other users. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. So even Uber itself got an, uh, well, I guess I don't know if I should say this, but they got the question marks are raised about mm -hmm. their vetting process mm -hmm. because it wasn't there. Um, and so they built a system to vet their contracted drivers to make sure they were safe, right? That was the goal. It's the same thing here. Mm -hmm. If I want to take a ride um, from Stone over here and I'm willing to pay him and he's willing to drive me to that destination, uh, I could do that with <clears throat> this blockchain technology without Uber. And we can have a network, a peer-to-peer -peer network that's going to create a process that makes it safe for the driver and the rider and it's going to be cheaper and that's the key. The third party's not needed. That because scenario. then you're taking the Uber out of the equation. Right, and that's why it's The cheaper. crowd is the vetter. Yes. Correct. Yes. And that's the kind of... They'll make a process and systems to help vet, and they can do that via the technology itself, right? And the same thing that And Uber's that's doing. the blockchain is the third party in, in some ways. Exactly. So the blockchain could be supported by the peer-to-peer, -peer, the other developers out there who get rewards by that tokenized uh, asset, essentially the ability to ride for free. And so they update the systems. And so they're in sense supporting the ecosystem, but they're definitely not in charge of it. And it's decentralized. But somebody creates the yes. system. Yes. Somebody is the one that says, okay, Bitcoin is a thing, right? Like you can make Zach coins. <laughs> oh, absolutely, right? But, <laughs> right? No, and but couldn't you? That's, that's a great point. Yeah, so there's tons of examples of tokens and failed projects out there trying to solve goals, and, and they, they just weren't meaningful. There's no value there. Um, so you do have instances where you have many different projects that have no actual value, but the cream will rise to the top. 
and just how it is. And then they are the ones that actually provide a solution to your problem that you're willing to pay for. And maybe you don't need Chase anymore. Maybe you don't need to send your money internationally and pay high fees, hundreds of dollars, when you can just do it in, I don't know, half an hour or less and pay a fraction of the fee or instantly and pay a fraction of the fee, like pennies on the dollar or uh, percent of pennies on the dollar, which is crazy cheap. But this is an example of um, you kind of have to trust the chaos of the crowd mm -hmm. because it's decentralized, right? Um, so like maybe, As opposed to I'm trusting Chase because I have recourse because if there's a problem, I'm going to call Chase and they're going to make it all right. So there's there's two, just, just to address that um, in two places. One is Chase, because it's centralized, is a honeypot of data. So it can be um, hacked and all of your right. stuff, you know, your data and your money could possibly be stolen. Probably not your money, but your data. Um, so decentralization prevents sort of honeypots of data from being hacked. And hacking through a, a math, you know, problem makes hacking um, very complicated, let's say with Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, and then the fact that you can call Chase um, – a good uh, model or a good way that the, the, to see how this is done, if, if people know what Linux is, Linux is a free um, operating system, unlike Mac OS or um, Windows. It's basically what the internet runs on, is this free operating system called Linux, open source operating system. So that is free, and so a lot of enterprise systems were like, how are we going to build up our... Um, you know, technology base on this free software that when something goes wrong, we have nobody to call. So organizations like um, Red Hat and others built up to be sort of like the place that you could call. Um, and there's um, organizations, say, around Ethereum. It's a, a company called Consensus, which is a nonprofit organization that sort of helps sort of steward um, the growth of Ethereum, but that's just one example. And each of these different um, uh, cryptocurrency tokens and ecosystems have um, are rethinking sort of how consensus and governance and reputation gets handled. Now, um, like you said, it's been around for 10 years, but we're still at the kind of the beginning still, right, in terms of mass adoption of this. Like what percent of the population has adopted this kind of trusting cryptocurrency. Uh, that's that's a that's a tough question because it's hard to quantify something that's decentralized, right? Something that it's going to be publicly tracked, but there's not a centralized authority that's going to go out of their way and spend the time and resources to say, out of this group, um, who's using it, who's not using it, etc. Um, I read a great article about Bitcoin itself, like how many people are holding Bitcoin. And that thing estimated, and it went through its, its logical thought process, and they estimated about 13 to 14 million Bitcoin holders, at least 0.001 Bitcoins. Um, you'll see the blockchain technology, although it's been proved through Bitcoin, it's been adopted in the past three years, I want to say, um, by major corporations, first projects, and now the corporations are getting on board with it. So it's still too early to try to say that everybody's on board, everybody's using it, and it's driving your car, essentially. Uh, not, it's not there yet, hence why it's still emerging and it's still getting its its footing so it can start to run eventually, ideally. Now, at, as the way to use it right now, if I wanted to, like if I wanted to go to that food truck and say I want to pay in Bitcoin, they have to agree to that, and that's not the case yet. 
So that's that's a great question. So there's actually um, BitPay out there who ties it to Bitcoin. It, it's a Visa card, and it all you do is make sure you have funds in there to pay for it and transfer them out of Bitcoin itself. And you can buy from any vendor who accepts Visa BitPay. And I actually have a friend that uses it all the time. Um, I don't because I hold on my Bitcoin. <laughs> I feel like it's that expensive pizza in 2011. I'm just not going to spend it yet. So now, so there's the use of Bitcoin as currency, but there's also the use of Bitcoin as an investment. Treat it more like a commodity, right? 100%. So think of the gold vehicle. Um, a good argument would be, given the belief that people have in it, which creates the value, it's safe, secure, immutable. So someone can't just take it away. Someone can't crash the system. And it doesn't need the third party, so someone can't create more of it either. So its value should retain and hopefully grow over time. So if you have more of it, the better off you're going to be, just like gold, um, just like anything else that has some sort of value that can't be more supply added to it. And so that's why they're treating it. They actually def defined it as a commodity, and that's why in the long run you would potentially see it become within different funds or a global uh, currency, some kind of base thing. And that's kind of the starting point. Who knows where it's going to go, but that's why it's been – categorized that way and that's why it's being treated as an investment essentially some investment vehicles are being built around it just like they did with gold and just silver was platinum is the uh, another big one tulips, that's hot out there tulips were a big yeah. one tulips. at one time yeah oh yeah it's a straight up commodity 100 well, percent. some people say you know it, some of these um tokens are better as a store of value and some are better as a medium of exchange and so there you can almost think of it as um you know, different types of currency or different types of communities or different types of uh, usefulness. So we're seeing a lot of things rise up and experiments being made. Something's going to stick, you know, and, and clearly um, uh, Bitcoin has stuck for sure. Um, Ethereum, because it's got this really great smart contract programmable component to it. And then there's the bazillions of altcoins, you know, beyond that. But... Um, you know, people are looking for sort of, you know, the killer app or the, you know, mass adoption. And when people can't, uh, when people see that it's a more convenient to use a cryptocurrency or one of these tokens to do the things that they need to do, that will happen. So it's like little communities popping up. Yeah. So that made me think of this. Uh, I'll run off a little bit of a tangent here. Um, it's a little short video about a lemonade stand in the desert. And that guy comes up to buy some lemonade, and lemonade, the product itself, is okay, but he can't buy it easily. He has to take a 17-step process to get cryptocurrency, the wallet, everything else, and transfer it over, and then accept it, process the block, and then get the lemonade. So the process, so he, have to kept, on, he kept on leaving and coming back to get everything in, in order. And then it fast-forwards to the future, where it just shows up on the bench he's sitting in the park, would on delivery just like any other product and it's a fine product etc so the technology on that both scenarios is very convoluted and it's something that confuses people to the point where uh just like online companies today are very simple um and they, you can get your products in a heartbeat just like amazon the same thing it's just being created and then refined to the point where it's everywhere and, and you don't know it and that's the point that's when 
you're going to adopt it. Uh, no one wants to go through the process, and no one wants to understand it either. Mm-hmm. I so, don't. So now at GSU, there's this blockchain. Mm-hmm. Is it a major? What is the so program? so um, so there are different um, groups of people that teach a, maybe a class in blockchain or in fintech um, and but what I wanted to do was uh, not in a computer science environment or not in a fintech or finance environment take any student from any um, degree and teach them first of all what blockchain is so this at the, through the blockchain lab they take uh, a work a series of five workshops or five weeks um, two hours a week and they learn what blockchain is and I promise we do a lot better job than what we're doing right <laughs> here um, because we actually even play a game where I really help people sort of simulate what what mining is and that whole thing but they learn what blockchain is they weren't learn what is why it's important they learn some of the use cases um, and then they learn how to what the development ecosystem is, and they learn how to write a smart contract um, and change that smart contract to do some of the things that they want it to do. And after they've done that, they learn to create their own token and then trade it through um, a MetaMask, which is a wallet, um, amongst their friends. And once they sort of see how the whole thing works and understand um, how smooth it is, even though they've made some of these difficult steps, really the learning just you know skyrockets after that and that's the hardest part too every step she touched on i self-taught myself that mm-hmm. in 2017 and it's terrifying when you're dealing with your own money mm-hmm. on the line last thing you want to do is lose it like a fool right um and there at that time you could read articles but it all was greek essentially mm-hmm. if you're not in the space you don't know you had to self-teach yourself so, I mean, I slowly went through the process. It was painful. I, you know, I, I wish there was a class like that mm-hmm. when, you know, two years ago when I was trying to get into the space. All right. So let's bring on Drew. Mm-hmm. Now, Drew, Drew Shaw, how are you involved in this? Uh, so you're a current student. Yeah, right? current Zach, student. you're an alumni. You- I am. Yeah, I went through the uh, professional MBA program, stellar program at GSU. Okay, so you didn't get any degree or anything in blockchain because this is all new. So no. you just went to GSU. And then now we're in blockchain. You're doing work in and around blockchain. Absolutely. Well, yeah. So I'm actually in as a hobby, right? Um, so no, I mean I I do still buy and sell some of uh, the uh, tokens and everything else, but I just follow the market. Huge enthusiast. I have a book um, that I wrote, which tells my story, which is it's not like oh this developer guy knew about this tech it's more of a a farm boy that's just a regular to person out. who yeah. figured it out through <laughs> trial and error I mean, i'm talking i used to pick rocks and get paid for <laughs> right. it out of the field um but i got into it in trial and error and it's part of the book was to tell people what not to do what i did wrong and then of course uh, and that's uh timothy suggs has his own story which we combined and then john kronowski which i met in mba school he was able to tell it because you don't want to read what I write. It's, it's not going to be uh, that entertaining. But he, you know, great um, writer, is able to portray a financial message in an interesting way. So we came up with the Millionaire Millennials, which tells my story and Tim Sugg's story, as told by John. And then That's Drew good. is a current student. Yes, I'm a current who's student. Who's going through the blockchain? Some of the workshops of the blockchain. Yeah, I'm going through some of the workshops, and we're exploring. You got to lean in there. Uh, and we're exploring uh, applications of blockchain. Um, I think it's important to mention that 
uh, on an extremely macro level, it's basically Internet 3.0, as it's been called. So we're kind of exploring applications, and uh, I think it's valuable that the lab is open to anybody, whether it's uh, discussing policy around the new internet, if you will, or um, applications for uh, banking or whatever it may be. Uh, so I'm what's, your that. Ma- what's your major? So I'm majoring in uh, media entrepreneurship and computer science. Uh, additionally, outside of school, I run a uh, private venture capital firm, uh, and I'm trying to get all my uh, clients on blockchain as well. So a lot of the applications uh, we're making now are um, kind of alternatives to uh, what the current internet is. And then, so those are the investments that they're making in, through your venture capital firm? Yeah. And then, so you're invested in blockchain? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm personally invested in blockchain. I'm also exploring it uh, as I go through college. And then, so what have you learned in this program? Uh, so of course the technicals of uh, actually building out blockchain and seeing where the processes lie and uh, essentially how it's built and how it runs, which I think is immensely valuable when it comes to uh, seeing the applications on top of it. So I like to think of it in a very simplified sense where um, blockchain is kind of, well, as I mentioned, the internet and the applications on top of it uh, are kind of what make things th- makes things run. So uh, in that situation, so what what is what is this Panther coin? Is that a crypto? Sure. So Panther coin is something we're uh, exploring at Georgia State. So that's uh, a Georgia State crypto currency. That's correct. Yeah. That you all agree. What is it, Zach? You made a face. Well, no, it's uh, it, uh, right now. It, it sounds like it's in the, in the works. Yes, it's, it's in the works. It's something it that doesn't exist yet. Right. Not yet. Yeah, just it's something we're exploring and seeing what the best application is. So this is an example of anybody can create a cryptocurrency if we all agree that it has value. That's yeah, correct. totally. Yeah, it has so value at state, maybe not outside. Let's look at it this way because we were just talking about this, and I didn't know he he was actually coming up with this coin idea. Um, because I just thought it was a good idea, which it's it's an obvious solution for for um, GSU. And to quite simply say, a lot of listeners won't know that we currently have, as a student, you have a Panther card that's going to tie U.S. dollars to it, and you can right. buy things at the stores. Right. So it's like a credit card, and it's backed by Discover. So Discover is the company that's your third party guaranteeing the transactions the blockchain technology makes it so simple you can cut out discover create the panther coin make it equal to the u.s dollar people will buy into have a credit card just like before they can buy things at the store and now gsu does not have to pay the contract fees to discover for them to back the transactions of this business so now they can cut out discover save I don't know how much you guys are paying, but probably too much. Um, and you can have this through a blockchain ledger. So now you have a real world case scenario for currency and in it, a and closed And it could be used internally in yeah. the GSU exactly. campus and the just the right. So I would like to throw a caveat into that, which is that um, eventually what Zach said mm-hmm. might be a potential goal. But at the moment, we're using it as just a simple tokenized economy, just like point systems or a token system where students will use it to say, oh, they get, you know, three tokens for going to the blockchain lab and they get two tokens for, you know, helping on the radio show and they get so and then they make get prizes. We're not tying it to any dollar so at like the moment. Dave and Buster's it's right Dave and Buster now. coins but, but that's but I'm talking theoretically. Yes, theoretically. Is, I haven't spoken to either <laughs> yes. of them about this. this is but just that's my where ideas. you see 
right where it could go for me it's an obvious solution and it's something that it could be adopted by universities across the country and if you thought about it you could take a coin that has real value let's say you have a billion of them but it's just controlled by you it's not going to be exchanged and you can give it to students who are achieving above and beyond Mm -hmm. or humanities or whatever and you you can give them twenty dollars that they can spend in the stores and there's very little cost to you. When I was a kid and we would go to the arcade in the mall, if you bought four tokens, it cost you a dollar. It was just like a quarter and the machines took a quarter or a token. Mm -hmm. But if you gave the guy like $5, you got more than whatever it is, 20 quarters. You got a baker's dozen. I mean, so there is some precedent for this kind of general idea, right? Now, is there also something, when you have a blockchain in place, um, is, is it also saying, look, Stone's got $5, and we all agree, or maybe it's not dollars, Stone's got five clam shells, and we all agree Stone's got five clam shells, and Stone can't convince any of us that he's got six, because we all know he's got five. There's, there's that aspect to that's it, too, the, right? That's the consensus mechanism. Okay. And the easiest way to think about that is that if there's five of us, if those of you who can't see, there's five of us sitting in here with microphones in front of us. And let's just say we made the stone coin. And we have the stone coin and um, I, we, you know, we all got on and we each have 10 stone coins. And if I want to give Drew two stone coins for saying something nice about me on the radio, then I give him through the network two stone coins and every single one of you writes down, Elizabeth gave Drew two stone coins. And so then that's on a ledger. And then all of our ledgers say the exact same thing. So nobody can dispute it. That's the that's how that happens. Right. That's the mining process is to achieve consensus. You have a bunch of people with computers who are running equations to balance this ledger. And it's a first come, first serve. So they're look let's say they're looking for a thousand confirmations. And they have 100,000 miners trying to get the first 1,000 for the reward. So the first come, hit there, solve the equations, balance the ledger. And if someone's cheating in there, consensus won't be achieved. And that part that doesn't match the rest will be thrown out. So you have this, that's part of the blockchain technology. It's built into the code where you have a referee system that can't be cheated. But then how would it work if GSU wanted to create this panther coin that's real currency that is not a dave and busters because it can't can it be i'll ask it this way can it be that okay they put in a million dollars in real you know hard currency gold or whatever we decide is real currency Mm -hmm. and then that's getting kind of debited now if i have a panther coin i'm like well you know what there's only a million so that could go up in value. I could bet that there might be appreciation of this because it's a limited amount. If it's something that can be just, oh, I'm going to make another million, right. then it can devalue my... So, yeah, I, I want to be very careful with that. First of all, I just want to make sure that we are not doing this. Right, this, <laughs> this is, is a, this is a, a test a thought experience. It's a thought, well, it, it, we're actually going to use the Dave & Buster's model and we're going to play around and see where people might be... Uh, incentivized to use the coin or disincentivized or they might you know hold them or stash them up or something like that or just try to get them all or try to get them all but um when uh and this is something that uh 
students learn when they take my um, workshop is that when you create um, a coin, you say how many are going to be there. So you say up front. That's you part say of the up deal. front. That's part of the deal. Yeah, okay. And, and you say how many there's going to be and at, to what decimal point, you know, there, it's going to be um, logged at. And then you can um, begin to, to exchange those. Now, once you've got people on the network and you decide to make some more, then it has to be a consensus and there has to be, you know, all kinds of agreements. But, yeah, you can't just keep minting coins yourself. And- well, the, there was a period of time when baseball cards – went up in value Mm -hmm. right and they were like well this mickey mantle card has a lot of value because there weren't that many of them Mm -hmm. at that time so then the value because it's a scarcity right a Mm -hmm. supply and demand Mm -hmm. there was only 10 and then so those 10 become extremely valuable but i always thought well what stops the card company from just going you know what if no. 10, each one's worth a million, why don't we just make one more? Well, the, so so what's very interesting about that is that, so what we're talking about is Panther coins and each one is identical. And one of the things that was mentioned on our panel that we just had was something very much along the lines of the um, baseball cards like you're talking about. Um, and so you can think about it like if baseball cards was on the blockchain or Beanie Babies was on the blockchain. Right. So one, the, the most killer app that's happened on the blockchain so far has been CryptoKitties. And CryptoKitties is where you get like a little fake, a little digital cat, and um, it's on the blockchain, and another one cannot be made. So, so it's it, unique. It's unique. It's completely unique. And then you buy and trade, and then you trade them with other people. So this whole idea of um, baseball cards has definitely become a very um, – fun use case scenario and you can find there's all kinds of um, games and worlds out there where people are doing this um, non-fungible token exchange like uh, that's that's art that's creative assets right so that once, are all unique but that's the beauty of once you go into the world of art mm-hmm. then it's in the eye of the beholder right there's no longer any kind of uh, a logical cost or value mm-hmm. it's in whatever the person wants to pay Right, but at least it's uh, at least you could authenticate the fact that it's the the actual um, art object, and yes, and so yeah, if things rise and fall in value, just like you know, music, art, um, all kinds of things. Um, but there's a record of it, and it can't be duplicated, and it can't be stolen, and the owner is you know um, on the blockchain is registered on the blockchain. So that's a that's one of the. Art auction houses are using this right now. So many places are using this right now. Musicians are seeing this as a major way to um, uh, monetize music and then, you know, get derivatives and um, give credit and all sorts of things. And I think that's a great point, too. Let's with that scenario, let's like let's back off from the currency side mm-hmm. of it. And what you just said is she's essentially saying these tokens are representing the art themselves. Mm-hmm. So now you have a timestamp of when it was submitted online. It's immutable. It's in the blockchain. So now you have proof that this is your art. It's not someone else's that comes out later and copies it. And I do remember the baseball cards. I mean, I'm not that old, but um, I do remember buying the replicas of the of the OGs, right? So, And you're going to see that as well. And they had less value. That's why I could buy them. <laughs> so isn't this going to disrupt uh, fintech and the whole banking world? One of my pet peeves, and Lee knows this, is I feel like I could get a sack full of money, put it on the back of my bicycle, 
and ride my bike out to California and get it to someone quicker than I can put it through electronic funds transfer. Because, <laughs> and I assume it's because they're all making money on the float overnight. And mm-hmm. I, that, I mean, that, that, that's going to go the way of the dinosaur at some point, right? Mm-hmm. We really are going to be able to legitimately transfer value to whom we want to without being worried about it getting hacked. And it's going to be able to happen a heck of a lot faster than it does now, right? Yeah. So they're going to have to adapt or die or whatever, right? Yeah, and and I think um, one of the things that those a lot of these systems probably could be made faster without a blockchain technology, <laughs> but it's the incentivization that to get things up to speed with blockchain that's making people sort of make a lot of more lot more transitions and a lot more improvements because. People have to um, collaborate and have to jump on the bandwagon to, to move forward with this. So, yes. That's now, um, this sounds great. This <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of chaos and this decentralization. <laughs> now, how do governments feel about this and how are they going to be able to tax this? Because you know that they want to get their, their piece of the cut, too. You know, you were worried about Chase getting their Discover getting their, you know, 1%. Uh, the government's going to want a piece of the action. Yeah, and they're going to get the piece of the action, right? So they're they're still playing catch up in terms of how to regulate it um, and even how to clearly define it. Uh, the SEC is still, uh, unfortunately, they can't do a broad st- stroke and say this was an ICA, ICO because of this. This was a company that went through initial coin offering because they did A, B, and C. Because the tech is moving so quickly, the government can't keep up. So it is the tortoise and the hare. The hare is the technology. The tortoise is the governmental regulation or the body that's trying to catch up. And But in this case, unfortunately, the hare is going to win the race because it's moving too fast. Um, it will be defined. 2018 was clearly a year of them trying to uh, define an SEC security versus a commodity and uh, or a tokenized uh, blockchain that allows access to a system, but it's being treated as a, an exchange item where people are buying and selling it, which could create a, a security. Um, so they are going to come out with clear, clear guidelines, and they may wait for regulators to redefine the law. They may actually have, say, don't change the law, just define it better and give us more clarification, and then the SEC will enforce it. Um, it's hard to tell exactly what will happen, but we do know through the SEC's correspondence with the public that the crypto mom is quite uh, supportive of the ETFs. Um, so she's communicated that approval is coming, and that means you can buy Bitcoin with your 401k down the road through Fidelity, let's say. So she's indicated yes, and we've seen actions in the past that uh, reinforce that it will happen. Um, but that is just one piece. The Bitcoin is a commodity. Ethereum, they're saying is a commodity, but these ICO companies, it's not clear if they're securities or not. If they're securities, then they go through an approved compliant exchange, so they report taxes and we pay taxes on them, and that's how they regulate it. So until they push them through compliant exchanges, they're not going to give, you know, they're not going to be able to keep up with it. And so that's the route that they're pushing for. But now, which is how, fascinating. so it'll be treated like a, like if I bought Bitcoin at 600 and it's now whatever it is, what is it? 7,000 or. Yeah. So um, it's what? 3,800 right now. 3,800. Um, so it's 3,800. So it's not anything until I sell it or is it, am I on the well, hook? It's treated as, oh, that's a great point. So 
first of all, we should not be giving any tax advice on here. We're not giving here. any tax advice. Um, <laughs> Put so that disclaimer out there. Our investment advice as well. Um, but my, I'll say I'm not a tax accountant or anything. I mean, I, you know, don't yeah. do anything like that. But my understanding is uh, you look at it as a security, but you're going to report it as inventory, which is what you do with commodity. Mm-hmm. And that was my understanding. And if you're if you lost, like most people in 2018, from what I understand, you can only report up to three thousand dollars in loss, and you can carry it over year over year. So, that's so it, but that's is part of the messiness of this kind of situation, yes. right? This is uncharted territory. Nobody knows what it is. It's changing, you know, regularly. Mm-hmm. So the government is way behind, yeah. probably, and then uh, it's just a free for all at this point, right? No, it's not a free for all, and they're paying. They're paying very close attention, and there's, um, and so, again, not tax advice, not. But um, you know those on ramps that we were talking about. The, right. When you when you transfer your um, dollars into uh, crypto, um, if if a certain amount has been transferred, say ten thousand or more, then the government is checking on that to see you know how that's being exchanged so because that they can that's get their- a normal in the banking ten thousand is a threshold where they think, pay attention i think uh, coinbase they'll yes. they say what what they're reporting to the government online which was a battle two years ago or maybe last year um but i think it's twenty five thousand, maybe oh, okay. 20. okay i think it's 25 and then you got once again, it sounds do, like do a free your research. <laughs> but well, yeah, yeah, but you have to also have over two hundred <clears throat> trades and buys and sells plus the twenty five thousand. So if you transferred over a hundred thousand dollars and you only traded uh, three times on Coinbase, they're not reporting that. So you're exactly right. It's a free for all. It's the wild west, mm-hmm. and they're playing catch up to regulate it. Um, obviously, people should be reporting the government, um, any you know, as as citizens. But the challenge is you need a system in place to make sure they do it, right? Keep people in check. And, and that's a what lot of the on. early adopters are doing not legal things? No, I wouldn't say that. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think there's a lot of very compliant uh, individuals out there, but the question <clears throat> would be exactly what is compliant, right? Has yeah. it been clearly defined? And that's part of the challenge is you don't have expert advice telling you what to do um, because the, regula- uh, the regulation side has given advice, but it doesn't necessarily apply to the new changing technology. So it is catching up, but I think there's real efforts out there to be compliant and you know and, and do the right thing. The challenge is, is all the different fraud, and you only hear about exceptions in the news, right? And that's just how we live our lives. We, hear, we think about tornadoes that kill people, and yet there's more people in car crashes right. every day. Right. That's just how we are. So if this is the climate, Drew, how do you sit at a conference room and tell your uh, venture capital folks that we ought to be playing in this arena um yeah that that is a tough one. <laughs> um i mean i can see somebody like lee with somebody you know with lee's pockets getting excited about it and throwing some money at this thing but i mean seriously that's that's got to be a tough conversation or a challenging conversation yeah so luckily so far it's been uh, as much applications of of the tech uh, i think that's kind of the best way to go about it now the investment side is super tricky, as you Oh, you're heard. selling the shovels. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, it's a little tricky. So uh, <laughs> when it comes thought. to you know development, uh, I think that's the area I'm fo- focusing on now when it comes to this tech. Uh, I think, so as it's needed, so uh, for example, one of my clients are doing staffing, uh, and they're kind of doing a blockchain that way. Everyone's accountable, everyone gets paid, uh, and things of that nature. So just inherent um, necessities that come with the 
tech is kind of where we're drawing benefits as opposed to investment because that's the wild west i agree it's uh, super tricky and i feel like at the moment it might be a liability if you don't know what you're doing so when it comes to kind of that level or uh things that are uh, at scale like that um, that's something i'm avoiding at the moment but if, if everybody here were to bet they would bet that there's going to be more crypto opportunities going forward not less yeah i mean new coins come out every day right. yeah and then if people were to bet they may not go all in on one specific one but they bet that there is going to be a winner or a handful of winners mm -hmm. on this it's not going to be all of them yeah so that's a great point so look back at the 90s and the dot-coms right how many ipos did we have how many companies right and then you know how many uh, different book companies? i still have web van stock yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah but now we all get our groceries <laughs> delivered exactly so. i got I mean, hello fresh coming this afternoon <laughs> for me I, absolutely and look uh automobile was an eccentric investment at one time there was no infrastructure for it maybe we could all say that's and where we there were also to. hundreds of automobile companies right there's a lot going on so um i'm inclined and maybe i'm a little quicker than the average bear to get involved but i'm inclined to become a student of this like it seems like everyone at this table besides me at this point but i'm inclined to at least become a student yeah in this and do a little bit with it and then from a pure business standpoint of helping people and making money I'm inclined to maybe dig for a little gold as on the hobby side of things, but I think I want to I want to learn more about selling the shovels. <laughs> sure. That's right, yeah. I mean, right, I mean, Drew. Yeah. So uh, I mean, so as I mentioned earlier, I love to think of it as a Internet 3.0, as it's been called. Mm -hmm. So I think the uh, inherent things that come along with the tech of blockchain, like security, decentralization, I think all those benefits are uh, are kind of where my interests lie, uh, and in the work I'm kind of working uh, with my firm. Um, and PantherCoin as well. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be applications like we use now. I think I really like the um, the lemonade example. That's the first time I'm hearing it. I think that was great. That's something that you know, HelloFresh that we couldn't have thought of earlier. So uh, where this tech is going to go is really going to be um, where new applications and innovations lead to. So now I'm gonna ask for free advice. We have a media company. We do business radio X. There's multiple studios around the country. We don't sell ads in a conventional way. We have sponsors. How would you counsel us to leverage the blockchain? In terms of the advertisement revenue? I don't know, and, you tell me, else. blank slate. How would a media company leverage blockchain? So I'm actually doing a TV show just as a side project. And this is something I've been thinking about, uh, especially this past week as I'm kind of getting ready for, uh, you know, being on the show. Um, something I notice is distribution. I noticed y'all are on iTunes and Spotify. It's super easy right now, especially the past year. So I was gonna mention that a little later. Um, but a, a way where everyone can access uh, shows. I think I think that's kind of where the, the main part of it's gonna be. Uh, that way you're not paying anyone to do distribution for you. And you're on Spotify. Uh, you can get on Breaker, for example, which I know is experiment. It's a podcast app, which are, is experimenting with uh, distribution on blockchain. I know Anchor is as well, which is also a distribution platform. So I think um, ways that you are, uh, save money as opposed to getting a sponsor and making money uh, would be definitely an application of blockchain for uh, the show. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of um, ecosystems that you could sort of follow along. Um, Civil is basically a bunch of um, newspapers getting together and 
figuring out journalism and blockchain. Um, they actually just launched, I think, this week. And these are really big names like Wall Street Journal, ex-Wall Street Journal, um, folks that are trying to use a tokenized, you know, um, incentive system for uh, their um, their media and, and then also archiving it and then other people being able to reference it and charging for that. Um, there's other ecosystems that uh, are whole like um, movie producing um, ecosystems where it's tokenized within the community so that if you need to use a certain camera, you pay a certain number of tokens. If you need a certain number of lights, you can use a certain tokens. And then to Drew's point, also um, payment happens um, through this uh, blockchain ecosystem so that people get paid immediately because a lot of times um, for freelance labor um, and all this gig economy that's coming up, people don't get paid right away. So if you have a smart contract in place where the minute the work is done that the payment happens immediately. So so how to do it with the radio station? Um, well, let me share yeah. something that uh, is maybe not clear. The people we have running studios outside of Atlanta or anywhere other than us, they buy our service as software as a service. Mm-hmm. It's media as a service. Okay. So could we create our own currency totally. that is all internal Yeah. and then they could... Yeah. We're back to the stone coin now. Yeah, <laughs> you're back to the stone coin. And I want to do smart contracts. I yes. want to hear more about this. Well, so with smart contracts, and, and every lawyer is going to freak out about this, and it's not completely true, but the way that people say it is that uh, code is... Law is code, and code is law. So you do actually have a contract. You have a contract about how much you get paid. You have a contract with every, um, you know, when you when you make one of these radio shows, there's a contract for this radio show. So um, that could be actually code. And, you know, as soon as you deliver the hour-long um, show, then the money just goes straight to your wallets. And it just it just happens, and it could be done in um, it could be done in tokens. It could be done in you know Bitcoin, um, but it's it's a smart contract. And so, the the most uh, simple version of a smart contract to think of something that happens automatically is the vending machine. You walk up to a vending machine, and for a Coke, it costs seventy five cents. And um, so the contract is if you put 75 cents in the machine and press b1 then you will get a coke that is that's basically automation right there through smart contracts and then there's some little complexities to it which is if you put a dollar in then and press b1 then you will get a coke and 25 cents back that's how all that works just think about just apply that to to your work Mm-hmm. Yeah, think about this. It, it creates a, a tracking system, mm-hmm. right? So internally, now you're tracking all these transactions mm-hmm. automatically through this technology. Accounting's going to be very happy. Mm-hmm. Most likely, if you're transacting information back and forth, you're probably using a third party, and you're probably paying for that. Um, so you could remove that person too, mm-hmm. right? So there's different ways to apply the technology. Um, and there's a lot of smarter people than I am out there to give you those so ideas. <laughs> if we wanted to pursue it or any business wanted to pursue it, like, do I have to hire now a smart person to build this ecosystem yeah. for it to work in? Hire one of my students. One of your students. Yeah. One of, we can take it on as a senior project. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. now. As in, so yeah, because there's actually platforms in place that allow these students to step in, utilize a blockchain that's already mm-hmm. in, in play. 
and then build the token on top of it. So it's a simplified process. So yes, they could easily affordably create a solution for you um, that just needs to be maintained on the existing platform that's already out there, like Ethereum's one. Mm -hmm. All right, well, um, if we wanted to learn more, Elizabeth, if somebody, I guess, you don't have to only be GSU to participate in blockchain um, uh, yeah, workshops, or this is a GSU only? It's GSU only, um, and, and actually it's uh, quite a um, value for the students, <laughs> because most of these like blockchain workshops right, that you this, get to are like five grand or so. Exactly. So, um, yeah, and, and I just want to throw in uh, one little um, thing that uh, is very um, interesting to me. So, actually, I'm actually more of a media maker and filmmaker and um, know a lot more about the film and entertainment industry. And um, I actually helped write the uh, study that garnered the Georgia Film Academy, which is um, a place where all students in Georgia or and non-students can go and learn how to um, work in the film industry because right. it was a high-demand career initiative. Sure. So most recently, uh, the state of Georgia, along with Georgia State, created um, a, in, in sort of um, – following in that footsteps the Georgia Fintech Academy. Right. So um, because they recognize that it's a high demand career same, initiative. Same thinking. Same right. thinking. So what's um, what, where my passion is and where I um, like to put this plug is that right now uh, we're, one of, we're about the third largest um, film entertainment industries um, in the world is Atlanta, is Georgia. And um, and we're known as Transaction Alley. So 70% of all transactions go through Atlanta. So I want to take this opportunity to um, do to make a, a Georgia the center for converting media into um, sort of a tokenized economy and understanding how these transactions happen and how to put data. Uh, creative data onto the blockchain and how to monetize it and exchange it. So I think we have a unique opportunity. So that's my little pitch. All right. Mm -hmm. So now if somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you or get involved in the program? Um, ELI at gsu.edu. Eli at gsu.edu. And is there a website for the Blockchain Academy or any of those other academies? Uh, um, try blockchain.gsu.edu. I'll go make it real quick. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, if somebody wanted to get a hold of your book or, or uh, have more some sort of conversation with you. Yeah, so the book, The Millionaire Millennials, um, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, it's about 10 bucks for paperback and digital is about five. How many bitcoins is that? Um, the Bitcoin <laughs> conversation is point zero zero zero. I'm not a computer. I don't know. But uh, yeah, you can definitely look into it. And I'll just stress enough. It's, it's more of a tells the story and then it gives you the tools you need to get your feet wet in this space um, without giving you advice on how which ones to buy. It's going to tell you how to do your research, how to try to understand value and um, hopefully um, benefit from it. Um, you can go to my Twitter account, which is at MMS Crypto, um, which is the, the book one, or you can follow me at ZZ Offmeister as well. And cool. Drew, if somebody wanted to learn more about what you're up to. Sure. So you can find me uh, everywhere online at uh, the handle DrewShaw1, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, everywhere. Um, now you got me thinking about the show, though. I think... Uh, Look, uh, we're I mean, looking for help. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean uh, speaking of you know using blockchain on the show, uh, digital assets. I think as the show grows and you get more guests on, I think how they own the digital assets and how you own um, the content you produce is, uh, is going to be definitely benefited by 
through using blockchain. Um, but yeah, you can find me anywhere online, uh, just using my name. And then the Panther coin, so that <clears throat> exists or not yet? Um, well, it's it's uh, it's a simulation. It's it's we're um, experimenting with it right now. So uh, catch us at the end of the semester and let us, and we'll tell you how it went. Good stuff. Well, thank you all for sharing your story. It's an exciting time for this, and it's uh, information that people need. I know we meandered all over the place, but I think that we covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Right, thank you. Oh, thank you all. Keep up the good work and do keep us posted. And let's swing back around and get some periodic updates on this. This is fantastic information. I find it inspiring. I find it invigorating. I'm quite sincere about it, at least my personal commitment. I think it's time to to learn more about this and, and begin to study it more. And I think we should, Lee, sincerely as business owners, seriously entertain how we should be capitalizing on some of this knowledge to go out there and help people and make more money and the more money we make the more people we can help the more people you know just that thing you couldn't stop that wheel if you wanted to <laughs> so this has been marvelous thank you all thank you thank you so much all right that's a wrap from georgia state university entrepreneurship and innovation institute we will see you next time